Blog Talk Radio. December the 12th, 2016. How you doing? <laughs> Welcome to Let's Talk on Blog Talk Radio. I am your host, Mr. Talk, in the seat today. And man, it's a very confusing Monday, I tell you. Oh boy, do we have a show for you today. I hope you're ready. Hope you're ready because there's a lot to talk about and not much time to talk about it. But we're going to get it in. <laughs> That's for sure. All right. I have a song of the day for you, and we get to that in here real shortly, because I want to go on and knock that out, and then we get to the the, the, um, the topics of the day. Um, let's see. If you want to be a part of the show, comment or anything, just give me a call, 347-838-8622. You can email me, Talk at gmail.com. And don't forget, our chat room is open at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Mr. Talk. So those are all the ways you can participate in the show, and I do look forward to hearing from each and every one of you. Okay, now that we have that out of the way, um, let's go on and kick this song of the day in real fast, because you know what? Man, I'll tell you, there's a whole lot going on out there, and uh, yeah, we need to talk about it, that's for sure. So without further ado, here's Seal Johnson, and it's because, is it because I'm black? See y'all in about eight minutes. I'm black 
Somebody tell me what can I do? Oh Lord, oh something is holding me back. Uh-huh. Is it because I'm black? Yeah. In this world of no pity, I was raised in the ghetto of the city. Mama, she worked so hard to earn every penny, yeah, yeah, oh, Lord, something is holding me back, uh-huh, is it because I'm black? We're trying so hard 
we tried so hard. I want you to know that I don't speak for myself, but I speak for y'all too right now. Uh-huh. You see, if you have white, light brown skin and a high yellow, you're still black. So we all got to stick together right now. I want to say to you, my sisters and my brothers, right on, sister, mm-hmm. right on, brother, this, this. if we keep on pushing now, oh, we got to make it a little bit further, we got to make it a little further, all we got to do is try, try, try. Gmail.com. 
That's before, during, and after the show. That that's a good thing also. And then we have our chat room that's open. Um www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Mr. Talk. So those are all the ways you can participate. Ugh. Those are all the ways you can participate in the show, and I do look forward to hearing from each and every one of them. I like hearing from you. I like hearing your point of view on the things that's discussed here on the show. So don't be shy. <laughs> don't be shy. You know, we 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 try and be fair with everyone, and we only ask that you be respectful back and, um, you know, curve the profanity and the personal attacks and talking to each other. You know, simple, simple little things that we all know about, okay? So, besides that, let's get on the show. All right, so, you know, congressmen, they only work so many days out of the year. Well, they have gone and convened for their little holiday, um, their holiday break, as we call it. <laughs> Seems like they always on break, if you ask me. But anyway, and we all know the last eight years have been very non-productive for this Congress. I mean, very, very non-productive. And it seems as though the more you push for something to happen, the less it goes on. So I thought about it. I said, well, we always hear about what they don't do. So let's see what did they do. What, what did they, you know, what measures did they pass this year? Uh, just this year, what did they do? And there's some things. <laughs> And some things they didn't. Uh, let's see, they didn't do anything about gun control legislation. Um, let's see, they didn't do anything about the immigration law. Uh, let's see, what else? Um, a bill forcing the president to allow construction on the Keystone XL pipeline from Canada. You know, I, I've been talking about that because the president rejected that quite a few times. And um, you can look forward to that being another major discussion here um, within the next couple of months. Actually, I do believe. Let's see, what did they do? They ended a 40-year-old ban on crude oil exports, which we know as soon as that happened, man, they started shipping oil out, exporting oil out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Uh, they rewrote an education law giving the states more power to decide how to use the results of federally mandated math and reading tests in evaluating teachers in schools. In other words, they put more pressure on the on the teachers and the schools, actually, and they wonder why people cheating, <laughs> why teachers making sure those kids' answers are correct. You know, let's talk about that for a moment. <laughs> How do you plan to educate a group of kids, number one, if only thing you're going to teach them is a test because that's all the teachers um, are graded on, are the results of the test, not just from your classroom, but the school altogether. You know, that 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 is just downright stupid to me. It, it really is. Um, case of Atlanta. Remember that case in Atlanta where the, those 20 teachers went to prison for changing test scores? So it looked like the, the school was doing better than it actually was. And there's been other cases. You know, so with them passing this law right here, it, it just really makes it seem as though they were not trying to educate at all. They're just trying to pass a test. 
Imagine that. Now, we know most schools do have that dang on um, some kind of standardized test that kids have to pass at by the end of the school year, and it's just crazy. But that's one of the, the, um, the measures that Congress passed this year. The USA Freedom Act, which extends some expiring surveillance provisions of the USA Patriot Act, paused that um passed after that was passed after nine eleven attacks. Yeah. That's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> oh, that is quite interesting. So if you think they're not watching you, yeah, they watching you still. Oh boy, are they not watching you. More than you know. Speaking of watching you, check this out. Did you know there are certain things that you can say and do that will have you put on a list as a potential uh, a potential terrorist or extremist. Even me saying those words right there could have me on a list, according to um, the, the U.S. government. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> oh, that's the world we live in, though, isn't it? That that is the world we live in right there. It, it really is. You know, I went over his list. And it's like seventy-two. Oh man, it's it's a whole list of of, of of titles and things that you can say and groups to be a part of that um could get you in trouble, man. Things like talking about individual liberties. Uh, let's see, anyone that possesses intoler intolerance toward other religions. If you're anti-gay, anti-immigrant, anti-Muslim. Oh man, members. Of American Family Association. Um, let's see. Um, those that be Mexico, Canada, and the United States are secretly planning to merge into a European Union-like entity that will be known as the North American Union. <laughs> I mean, it's, but here's what uh, interesting one that caught my attention. And um, if you are a veteran returning from um, combat. You can be considered um, a possible terrorist or extremist, extremist as well. And, and I found that very interesting. I had to think about that. Why would a veteran be put on this list, be put on the list? Well, it's simple. I, I, I know some soldiers that after we returned from the Gulf War, that converted to Islam. I, I know a few of them that did that. I mean, you know, they just liked the religion, and that's what they did. Um. But you know the, the the other side of that is, you know, even though it, it, a lot of people say, "Well, that's not good," but then again, maybe it is because you, as a veteran, sometimes when you deploy in the places, only thing you hear is the rhetoric and propaganda that you you're taught the whole time while you in in the military or before you join the military through the news or what have you. But once you go over there and you see the the conditions and talk to some of the people yourself, sometimes you have a different um, perspective. It gives you a different different perspective from what you're being told because you're seeing it personally for yourself. I can understand how some soldiers will come back and say, well, you know, maybe, maybe I need to change something here. But that doesn't make them a terrorist or a streamless, does it? No more than you saying, um, Man, I can't stand um, how the government taking taxes out of my dollar, out of my check. That can have you put on the list as well. 
Does that mean you can go out and, and do something about it? No. But those are the type of things that where we are today in society. Um, let's be let's admit it. We live in a very dangerous time right now. We really do. To where anything you say or do can be um, misunderstood and have you in a whole bunch of trouble if someone decides to push it. <laughs> yeah. And it's 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 really, really a, a, a sad state of affairs. It really is. Um, you know, if you want to take a look look at that, just go to um, http thetruthwins dot com archives sitting and it'll be right there for you, and you can check it out. I mean, it's seventy two, and I'm sure there are more now. Those are the only ones that um. Those are on, only the ones that, you know, they, they did publish. <laughs> oh, Lord. It makes you wonder, though. It really does. You know, with the surveillance going on and everything, how many of us are really on that list? Huh? How many? You know, and a lot of, and a lot of individuals who are doing shows like this, I know they, got, they have to be on the list, on a list somewhere. They have to. No, anytime you you speak of anything different from what mainstream or the establishment is trying to push, oh yeah, you're gonna get. They're gonna come at you one way or another. The question is, are you strong enough to handle it? <laughs> are you strong enough to handle it? Number one, you have to actually be able to see it coming. You know what I mean? You have to be able to see it. You do. But anyway, such as. Whatever. All right. Um, the U.S. is adding another 200 troops to the um, Islamic fight in Syria. That brings the total almost to 500 and some change. Um, there are going to be some commandos and <laughs> what is it? some commandos and uh, some other individuals, commandos and bomb squad specialists. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Once again, these troops are being deployed under the guise of recruiting, training, and advising local Syria militias. Let me tell y'all something. I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. There is no such thing. All right? Those individuals are going over there to fight. They uh, Media will have you believe in, and the establishment will have you believe in some of the craziest stuff in the world. Here's the issue that's going on over there, and that's why I often say we're already in World War III. They're not going to tell you that because, of course, they want you to believe that the only, only real trouble, trouble in the world is ISIS, ISIL, um, Taliban, whatever. Of course, we know who created all those individual groups and who those individual groups are. But when you start sending more soldiers over into a place, trust me, they're not advising anybody. What you gonna send commandos over there to to advise common common people just coming into the military? Really? What good is that gonna do? So under this this guise of they're uh, over there to recruit. And train is not a true statement. They're over there to fight. There have been instances where 
Russia <laughs> has actually fired on some of these groups that are um, supposed to be um, being supplied by the United States. Yeah. So once again, don't don't believe all this hype, okay? Don't believe all the hype because what you what they're telling you is totally different from what's really going on. <laughs> oh Lord. You know, but it's okay. Okay, we we gonna we're gonna make we're gonna make some things happen because we're gonna keep you abreast on what's really going on. We really are. So there's 200 more soldiers over there that we know about. See, once again, that we know about. I have some soldier friends here, and um, they were telling me the other day. They were like, well, Mr. Talk, you know, <laughs> well, you know, they don't call me Mr. Talk. They're like, Eric, you know what? If you want to go on and um, get, get a job overseas, you know, go ahead. Because they're telling us, you know, we're going to start going back over, and we're we, we going to start handling some business. Now, that's from soldiers, just, you know, privates and stuff telling me this, from what they're being told by their commanders. What does that tell you? There's more going on than what anybody wants you to know or believe. Yes, it is, y'all. So when you see all this stuff about we sending 200 more troops over to advise, train, and recruit, no, 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 and no. <laughs> That is not what's going on. All right, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh Lord, I'm just saying. All right. So anyway, <sighs> man, I tell you, we went we're in World War Three, y'all. And if if you pay attention, the, you know they tell you about the 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 um. The incidents where, you know, Chinese fighters are buzzing Navy ships, Russian fighters are buzzing Navy, I mean, our Navy fighters in the air and things like that, and nothing is going on. You know, <laughs> oh, and well, you know, when, when was the last time you heard about anything like that going on? Heck, North Korea captured some of our soldiers. Remember that? What in the world is going on? I remember a time when nobody would even think about doing anything like that to our military. Oh, yes. We're in World War. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Anyway, y'all need, we need to wake up, y'all. We need to wake up. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's very interesting with this thing about sending more troops over to Syria, in fact, because Let's 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 not forget that Russia backs President Assad, who's over Syria. Okay, let's not forget that. Now we're supplying um, weapons and things of that and ammunition to the rebels that's fighting to have Assad thrown out. But here's a funny, uh, interesting twist to it: the president-elect likes Russia. The president has done um, business dealing in Russia. Okay. Speaking of that, Rex Tillerson, the man they're talking about um, being Secretary of State, he. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll get back to Rex Tillerson in a minute. But here's my thing. Once 
Trump takes office, it's really going to be interesting to see how this this whole scenario in Syria plays out. It, it really is. It is. If you, if Putin is trying to get rid of Assad, however, the United States is supplying the rebels that's trying to oust Assad. How is that going to work when, 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 when Trump takes office? And if his so-called Tillerson becomes Secretary of State, how is that going to work? Now, what what position will the United States be in then? What would be the stance of the United States? That's something that um, we need to pay attention to, because I, I find that to be quite intriguing. <laughs> oh, now let's get to the juice of the day, though. Let's let's get to the juice of the day. Those are just little nuggets right there. But the juice of the day is this thing about these dang the CIA saying that Russia was involved in the election. Now, the day is the 12th. Next Monday, the 19th of December, the Electoral College meets to officially elect the President of the United States. This past weekend, the Washington Post came out with a, with a story that said that the CIA has found, said that Russia did have hackers did interfere in the election, United States election. And they wanted Trump to be elected because Putin wanted to get even with Hillary Clinton. All right. Now, (laughs) and this is what is so confusing about it. Remember a week before uh, the election when the FBI came out and said, well, we're going to go ahead and reopen our investigation to Hillary Clinton and her emails. Just a couple of days later, come back and say, well, we haven't found nothing. Everything is the same. (laughs) So here's the thing. Now you have um, talking heads such as Lush Limbaugh and others that's, that's basically crying and saying, well, it's false news and da 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 da. Remember, all of a sudden, last week or so, last two weeks, that's been the main thing about false news. How to stop the the spread of false news? Well, that's the narrative that's being used on this this um, Russian hacking story right now. Uh, as far as Republican parties, Trump, Trump, um, cabinet members and team transition team members, you know, it's a false story. What up? So. People out there, I'm asking you, because I want to know, what what is it we are to believe here? Are we to believe that a foreign country has hacked into multiple, multiple um, political party sites, stole emails, planted them, gave them to sites like WikiLeaks, so they can be published and disrupt the way the American public thinks about a certain candidate? Hmm. We're to believe that's what's happening, right? So what does that say about the American citizen? What does that say about us? What does that say? That we believe any propaganda, anything we read, and without even thinking, giving any any kind of thought, 
So am I to believe that that is what helped Donald Trump be elected? Is that what we're supposed to believe? Are we supposed to believe that no matter, no matter what we're told, that we, let me change that, that the United States of crookedness have never, never interfered in another country's election at any time, any time whatsoever? Are we to believe this? Of course not. Because it, it, it's a known fact that the United States interfered with Israel trying to get Netanyahu out of office. <laughs> Let's not forget. You know, we don't just interfere in, in countries' political um, elections. We go and take them out of their country, compare, period, completely. <clears throat> I.e., Libya, Iraq. Even in Iran at one time. So <clears throat> it's interesting to, to to view this type of nonsense that's going on in the media right now as if everybody's hands is clean except for the party that won the election. And to hear other people call in and act like it's just something brand new, it's just in the words of Mike Tyson, ludicrous. <laughs> it really is. It's crazy. But that is what we're supposed to believe. That is what we are supposed to believe. Without a doubt, Russian hackers got into both the Republican National Party and the Democrat National Party computer emails, they chose to give the Democratic ones to WikiLeaks, who then released it piece by piece. But they got into the Republicans also, but they decided not to release the Republican ones because they wanted the Republicans to win, Donald Trump to win. What sense does that make? Where is the logic in that? Uh, where's the logic? While we're paying attention to that, you have OPEC and non-OPEC nations meeting um, overseas deciding to limit oil output. Yeah. To limit oil output. So you know what it means to you and me? We finna start paying more for gas. That's what that means. But then again, it goes back to, like we always say, follow the money. Follow the money. You know, number one, they got to distract you so you won't pay attention to what's really happening. And that's all this this thing is with the Russians and the hackers and all that. It's a distraction. Even if Donald Trump next next uh, uh, Monday does not receive 270 electoral votes, okay? It goes to the House. Yeah, it goes to the House. And, of course, what you know, the House is going to put uh, Donald Trump in as president anyway. 
you have a libertarian candidate that's going around trying to get states to go in and do recounts. Judges shutting that down. Why? <laughs> so we won't pay attention to other things that's going on. That's why. And then you take the talking heads such as Limbaugh and, and others. And they jump on it and they ran and they rave and, you know, they say, well, the Democratic Party this and the Democratic Party that, the Republican Party is this and that. And it's all the same little game, same people. They all get paid by the same people. You got the libertarians saying this and that. They confuse. Black community definitely confused. They have we have no idea what the hell going on. Excuse my language. And all the time the plan is working just nicely. Keep people confused and in 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 a distracted form and everything'll be all right. We can gonna do what we wanna do. Yes, it, it's important. Um, that OPEC and, and those other nations have decided to cut the oil production. It, it's very important. Number one, because you have to understand <laughs> that, how can I say it, our incoming president has business dealings all over the world. His selection, um, report selection for He's CEO of Exxon Mobil. Exxon who has many, many dealings around the world. It, it, he has actually received an award. Award Russia. <laughs> Everybody is up in arms. No. <laughs> Oh my goodness! I'm trying to find the, the 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 link here so I can tell you what awards he got from Russia. Cause there's some interesting awards. Um, yeah, tell us. Russia's order of friendship. <laughs> he was one of the ones that argued against sanctions. U.S. when Russia decided to go and take Crimea from Ukraine. And the United States said, uh-uh, that's not happening. And the European partners said, yeah, we we finna put some sanctions on your behind. We're going to you down. Well, he's one of the ones that said, no, don't do that. We can't do that. It's all about the money, people. That's what it's about. Donald Trump is putting together one of the richest cabinets ever in the history of this country. And that is not by mistake. <laughs> now, you know, there was a saying I used to have in the military, you tell my soldiers when they used to go and talk to the commanders and stuff, you know, on what they call a census section. Be careful what you ask for. Be careful what you ask for. And somebody should have told the American people that. Be careful what you ask for. You said you wanted a businessman to run the country. Oh, you got you one. You don't just have one. You have quite a few of them about to start running the country. How you feel about that? 
And you think they're really going to have your best interest in mind? If you believe that, man, I got some swamp out there in Louisiana, I can say you real cheap, real cheap. Because it's not happening. But while all this is going on, we're talking about the CIA and Russia. Hey, the CIA. <laughs> really? Our, our five agencies, really? And let me tell you how how just crazy and confusing this whole thing is. Donald Trump has said that this latest info from information from the CIA is ridiculous and they just using another excuse. He even went for as far back as the 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 um, not the Gulf War but the Iraq War stating that um mentioning that the report that Bush and Cheney on them was saying that Saddam had weapons of mass destruction. He said once that came out, the intelligence agencies themselves lost credibility. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You see how this game works. You see how this game works. It's always going to be back and forth. He say, she say, whatever. And that's to keep the American public lost in the dark about whatever it is we want to talk, whatever it is they want us to be talking about. But in the background, oh, it's riding. Hey, Michelle, I ain't seen you in a long time. Welcome back. Um, But, you know, it, it, it's just one of those situ- it's a situation now where we need to get quit falling for the okey-doke. Okey-doke, y'all. That's all we've been. We've been we being okie doke to the fullest. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Anyway, I'ma shut up now for a moment, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You know, the, the Trump is gonna be the president of the United States, and he is already um at odds with the CIA, your spy agencies, the ones that really <laughs> are going to be your eyes and ears. Mm, you want to fight them? Ah, uh, yeah, you do. But anyway, <laughs> phone lines open, y'all. Three four seven eight three eight eight six two two. Talk to me. Tell me what you think. I won't get mad. I promise. All right, we got area code nine two five. Welcome to the show. Who do I have here? All right, I guess they didn't want to talk. <laughs> you didn't have to go nowhere. I promise. I wasn't gonna. We're gonna have. We're gonna talk. We're gonna have a good time. But anyway, um, <laughs> um, you know, this is what's so confusing. You know, there's a saying: Who you gonna believe? Your lying eyes, or are you gonna believe me? The one I'm telling you. And that's basically the game that the the the, the, the establishment is playing right now. Who are you gonna believe? I tell you, I'm not believing any of them. 
Because they're all crooked. They're all no good. They're all up to nothing, raggedy son of a guns. Trump. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, 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 it is amazing that we are subjected to such foolery. It, it, that's what this is. It, it's foolery. You know, we get we have a Congress that just has decided that for the last six years basically decided that we weren't doing anything. Hey, they can't even pass a budget. They can't do a budget. Why? Because they don't like the person in, in, in office. They don't like because they he doesn't think the way they think. Now I can go to cheat way and say, well, they don't like him because he doesn't look the way they look. That's cheap. That's cheap. And now you have a Republican president that originally was a Democrat, that originally was uh, independent, that originally was whatever beforehand. That's president. So he rolled through each. <laughs> he rolled through each each political party until he found one that he could actually slide in slide into it and be accepted. Mm, 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 mm. And you tell me this is not a game that's being played. You're telling me that this is legit? No, it's not legit, y'all. Hey, Trump said he don't even Trump said he goes to to a um intelligence briefing about what, once a week? Nine times out of the ten, Mike he sends Mike Pence, his vice president, like. <laughs> so what does that tell you? You know, be careful. Pence is the one going to be running the country, not Donald Trump. But then again, let's be honest. We know neither one of them really going to run this country. We know that. But as figureheads, they have to be there, right? Right. Now. You also have this have this guy that is about to run your country. Um, that is very vindictive, revengeful, and act a whole lot like a child when someone says something negative against him. So where is that going to leave us when it's time to when when a foreign um, president such as the one in the Philippines? Y'all know that little Philippine president that's been cussing out President Obama and threatening to do this and said he don't need this from the United States, so forth and so on. He wants the U.S. military out of the Philippines. So what's going to (laughs) happen? What is going to happen when that little Filipino president insults Donald Trump? Are we going to have bombers in the air? Or is there going to be a... a fight, <laughs> you know, like kids do now, fight over true Twitter. <laughs> These are dangerous times, people. These are very dangerous times. And it is so confusing. Even the the so-called experts are confused about what's about to go down. Because nobody really knows. Nobody really knows. Everybody is putting their two cents on what they think might happen. <laughs> These are dangerous times in this country. 
And then you get you have the lower class individuals, the feast feast them and the surf nooms that are just uh, 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 they taking it upon themselves to do whatever they think is right, which creates more of an issue. But anyway, that's just me talking. I don't, I don't, I really don't know what I'm talking about, y'all. I'm just having fun. <laughs> <laughs> Don't believe the hype. All right, I got a caller. Let me bring this caller in here. All right, um, Erico267, welcome to the show. Who do I have here? Uh, this is Brian calling. Yes, Brian. How are you, man? I- I'm good. Thanks for taking my call. Um, no problem. I- I just had what you got for some me? Comments to- comments to add. Um, what's happening is that the um, the establishment get the results. And so they're looking to overturn the election, and there are issues at play here. Okay, well, you're breaking up a little bit, Brian. You need to get in one spot. Um, I was going to say, my, my feeling is, my, my, my two cents is this, that the establishment didn't get the result they were hoping for in the election. So they're looking to either overturn the results of the election or it. Okay. I, I I lost you again, but um, I understand what you're saying. You know, as far as the establishment, Trump is a part of the establishment, believe it or not. Um, Trump, even though he hasn't been uh, in the political, quote-unquote, scene, he has um, participated. He has given donations. He's been there. He, he knows where the bodies are. Um, him and the Clintons are close friends, whether you believe it or not. They're close friends, so I'm sure he's friends with others. As far as the establishment, that you know, it's a game that they have to play. It's just a game they have to play. They have to make it seem as though they're upset about it. Honestly, they could care less. They're going to get their money. See, it's all about oh, I the, the cash right now. Huh? I, I would have a disagreement with that. Um, and, and, again, it's a, okay. I think it's a couple of things. I think the first thing to look at is Russia. Hillary Clinton, as did every other Republican running for president, made it clear that if they were elected, that they were going to implement a no-fly zone over Syria. Now, the only way you could implement a no-fly zone over Syria would be to shoot down Russian fighter jets that are already in Syria at the behest of the Syrian government, um, at that being Assad. And it's very – you know, I don't think it's um, hyperbole to say that um, you, know, you shoot down a Russian fighter jet in the name of implementing your no-fly zone in Syria – that there's a there's a reaction to your military action, which could very easily lead us into war. And I think the establishment had its heart set on a war with Russia. Um, and I think um, some people may differ with what I'm saying. Uh, you know, you're, you're, that's crazy talk. No, I, I really don't believe that at all. And I looked at Hillary Clinton's record exhaustively, all the way back to when she was first lady, and I couldn't find one war or military action or coup in her 18 to 20 years of political involvement that she did not support. And when you take such a cavalier attitude towards matters of you know, life and death and war and peace, you get more war. And she made it very clear that she was 1,000% in favor of a no-fly zone over Syria. And the only way to implement a no-fly zone over Syria is to shoot down Russian fighter jets, which is an act of war. And the reaction to that is war, because if you shoot down a Russian fighter jet, they're going to fire back. And hence, you have a major war in Syria where we're fighting uh, the Syrian government, we're fighting Russia, 
We're fighting Iran because Iran's giving support to Assad, and we're fighting China because China has advisors in Syria. So these elites in the establishment like the idea of a permanent war state. They like the idea of imposing hegemony on the rest of the world. So Trump may be very well connected to the establishment and part of it, but that's a critical issue in which he differed with the establishment. And that's why he picked the secretary of state that he did, because Tillerson has close relationship and personal ties with Russia. And the establishment doesn't want us to have a good relationship with Russia. They want a war with Russia because Russia at this point is a major world power that threatens American world hegemony. And the way the world traditionally works is you have multiple powers, world powers, and different countries align with different world powers. The way the world's been up until recently because of the last of the Soviet Union in 91 was that there was only one man last standing, and that was the United States. And the ascent of Russia and China threatened that. You know, you make some very good points. <laughs> you make some dang good points. You re- you really do. Um, yeah. I, I, but here's, here's my question. Okay, well, here's my statements first. As far as sure. establishing a, a no-fly zone in Syria, that is just mm-hmm. not going to happen. And you're right, because in order to do that, you have to shoot down some um, Russian, some enemy jets. Okay? Right. Um, you know, let's go back to middle of last year, well, middle of this year, when the Russians and the um, United States was working toward a peace, a ceasefire, um, for together for you know in Syria, but we know that didn't work last too long. Yeah, that right. did not last too long at all. Um, we also let's pay attention to um, the, the incidents that you have out in the South China Sea, where you, you yeah. have Russian jets and Chinese jets buzzing American um, naval ships and, and fighter right. planes. So um, to say. I mean, it, it, it's as though Russia is and, – and, oh, let's also remember, even last year, you had Russian uh, warships come close to the American coast, you know, but they happened just stay just inside international waters. So I, I think it, it's one of those things, for lack of a better word, that are being played between the two countries. You know, who's going to flinch first? Who, who's going to be more so, – Rest of the world and say, yeah, see, that's why right there, because you, you, you want to be the big guy. Now, here's a, here's another interesting. You have Putin. Let's not forget Putin was ex KGB. Okay, let's not forget that. So, no, part of the force of Russia, you know, it, it, Russia may be quote unquote communist now, but they still are and. I don't think that you really wants to tangle with. I, I really don't, because of as you say, you have China, you have um, North Korea, you have Japan, uh, you know the, those countries, which I don't believe will all become involved in it because a lot of them are going to sit back because of the trade and things that's going on. But the United States has been the big boy on the block so long. Um, I don't know how to look at this. That's that's why the show today is well, a confusing because it's really well, confusing. 
confusing as to what stance should the United States say. Should we just go in and say, okay, let's go and do like we've been doing. We're just going to go take what we want, uh, and whatever happens, happens. But, uh, I mean, no. where, where would that really leave the United States? Well, I see, I, I, I think we need to move away from regime change. You know, I think um, the war in Iraq to overthrow Hussein over fictitious weapons of mass destruction uh, helped destabilize the Middle East, overthrowing Gaddafi. Think about, here's, here's, here's something. So Gaddafi in Libya, and Hillary Clinton was the biggest cheerleader in the Obama administration pushing to overthrow Gaddafi. So, yeah, I, I think Obama has to certainly bear culpability because he made the ultimate call. But anyway, in Libya, uh, for an African nation under Gaddafi, Libya had the highest standard of living um, of any African nation under Gaddafi. And it's been reduced to rubble since then, and it's become a breeding ground for terrorism. And that's what started the whole refugee crisis. We've seen since we've backed the Syrian moderate terrorist rebels in Syria that that's further exacerbated the, the refugee problem and destabilized the Middle East. I think at this point, what we should move towards is moving away from regime change because we end up dealing with uh, a far greater evil. I mean, and I think the choice in the Middle East really is you're either going to – you're either you have two choices. You can either pick um, which will you know, have a form of government that we don't agree with and there will be certain human rights abuses and such, or you can have instability and chaos and a perfect breeding ground for terrorism. So if I'm going to choose between dictatorship and stability or a breeding ground for chaos and terrorism and hundreds of thousands of people being killed and hundreds of thousands of people being displaced, I'm going to choose dictatorship with stability. And it's respect to Russia and China. Why can't we get along with countries? I mean, look, we were, um, you know, we managed to during the Cold War for for some years, you know, not go to war with Russia. Um, I think we've gotten so far away from diplomacy because we've had weak people running our country. See, I think it's a sign of weakness when the um, option of first resort is to go to war with other people and to fight. You know, I think smart and strong people, they figure out a way to talk with people even when they don't agree with them. Um, I think you want to use war and regime change as the option of last resort, but it's become in the last 15 years the option of first resort. Uh, with respect to what you said about Putin, it's not about liking Putin or thinking he's a saint, but I'll tell you what. It wasn't Russian Putin that overthrew Gaddafi. It wasn't Russian Putin that overthrew Saddam Hussein. It wasn't Russian Putin that backed the terrorists in Syria to try to overthrow the Syrian government. It wasn't uh, Putin in Russia that overthrew the government in the Ukraine and installed a literal neo-Nazi government. It's not the Russian government that um, is working with the Saudis to overthrow the government in Yemen. It's not the Russian government that went into Afghanistan, not the Russian government and Putin that um, had all the drone strikes in Pakistan. So, you know, I, when people talk about the evils of Russia and Putin, it's, you know, I, I, just because what I'm pointing out, it doesn't mean that I like Putin, but when people talk about, you know, all these terrible things Russia are doing, in terms of foreign policy, everything that I've seen with Russia has been uh, defensive in nature. I don't see Russia as being the aggressor. And believe me, if I did, I, I would call it that. I, I think what the problem is, is we've been fed a steady diet of propaganda the last eight years with the idea being that Americans will be conned into supporting a new Cold War, which could mushroom into a new hot war with Russia. 
So, um, yeah, I mean, think about it. When, when do you ever find um, in the New York Times or the Washington Post or Time Magazine or MSNBC or CBS or CNN or Fox News, when do you ever hear them saying anything positive about Russia or providing any kind of a different perspective? You don't, and you don't, because the same way they, they were beating the war drums with war in Iraq for years, and we got it in 2003, they're beating the war drums for the same thing. And the other thing I'd point out, as you mentioned, well, they know that if we institute a no-fly zone over Syria, that it could um, lead to war with Russia, so they won't do it. Again, you're talking about people that have a long track record of supporting every war, every military action, every coup. They, they don't have any kind of a track record of using diplomacy to deal with problems because they're very weak, dangerous people. And you, look, you, you compare Hillary Clinton to Obama. Now, look, I've had many, many things I didn't agree with Obama on. But believe me, if Hillary Clinton had been president the last eight years, Obama went pretty far um, in, in worsening our relations with Russia. But even Obama was smart enough not to institute the no-fly zone over Syria that a lot of his advisors wanted and Hillary Clinton wanted. So, you know, we have a lot of people in positions of power, and I think people underestimate this, that have a, 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 a thirst for war. So I just – I would not discount that. Look, in any kind of sane world, saying you want to be friends with Russia and get along with them wouldn't be anything that you should deserve any kind of special praise for. But when you live in a world where you have everybody in a position of power is constantly advocating for war, you know, that's a pretty revolutionary act. And I think that explains why we're seeing efforts to delegitimize uh, the Trump presidency because the elites must feel, regardless of whether or not Trump is one of them uh, on a lot of issues, they must feel on this issue that Trump's going to change things. If they felt that Trump was going to continue going with the establishment and he wasn't going to change things, I don't think we'd be seeing all these um, stories about Russians hacking and you know, efforts to um, over, overturn the Electoral College. We're seeing that for a very specific reason, and that is because the people with all the power must feel that Trump's going to change things. Can agree with the, the change Trump wants to implement or not, but that's how I read it. You know, um, once again, you make some very good points. You really do. And you, 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 you're pretty much on the heartbeat on what's really going on. Um, however, you know, I, 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 <laughs> I listened to what you were saying. And, you know, we have to go back. When, when you start talking about the United States and, and their policies, you have to go back further than 8, 12, 16. I mean, Man, you have to go back a while to understand what the policies of the United States is, and that is, if we you got something that we want, we coming to get it. Now, the bottom line is all this, and and you're absolutely right. Um, you're absolutely right about the Cold War. <laughs> you know, this thing, and I've said this before, we we've been in the Cold War with Russia for at least the last eight, if if not more, but. See, here's the thing with these dictators, as far as the United States are. As long as you're a dictator and you're doing as the United States thinks you should do, everything is fine. You understand what I'm saying? However, now once you decide you're going to change your regime or you're going to do something um, such as get rid of the American dollar, you know, and, and create your own currency or a financial system, then that's an issue. That that is an yes. issue. Okay, so yeah, here's, I, I, here's, I think you're 100 right about that. 
Yeah, and here's and here's the uh, the other um, side of it. The United States has an interesting game they play. And, and first, for the first thing they're gonna do is they're gonna threaten you. Okay, they're gonna threaten you. If that doesn't work, then we're gonna discredit you. We're gonna try and discredit you. You know, and, and you can see it working now. The last thing, if that doesn't work, we we gonna we gonna take you out. Period. We, we you you won't listen. Okay, no problem. Because. For some reason, we feel that we have to be, um, we are the dominant power, superpower. I wouldn't even consider the United States a superpower anymore. Uh, right now, we just uh, uh, police in the world. We're the world police for some unknown reason. Um, yeah. It, uh, you know, and when, when you look at that, it all comes back with the dollar. Now, the only, the problem the United States has with Putin is Putin, Putin is, is, isn't putting up with it. Um, there's a couple other um, people who said the same. Um, Castro, Castro was one of the same ones. It wasn't. No, you're not gonna come in here and do what you want to in my country. That's not happening. Um, let's remember, Putin went and got you, um, Crimea, Ukraine. Putin said, "This is mine. This is my land." You know, yeah. y'all divided it up when y'all did this. You know, this great. This no, no. I'm coming to get what is mine. Saddam tried to do right. the same thing with Kuwait. Remember? And he just yeah. didn't have. And he, he was given the green light to go in. <laughs> he was given the, the green yeah. light to go in by the ambassador uh, April Glaspie, and he was at, he asked her specifically um, shortly before he went into Kuwait, and he asked her, and he said, you know, if I go into Kuwait, is there any problem? You know, will the United States have any kind of problem with it? And he was told no, <laughs> and then they double crossed him. But you know, you made yeah. an important point here when you mentioned Putin, Castro, you mentioned Hussein, you could mention Gaddafi. Um, you know, all these people, what's the common denominator? They were nationalists. Now, um, and when you have uh, um, an effort to build a global empire, and, you know, words like empire or policing the world or new world order, um, they're all interchangeable, but the world is basically, the, the objective is the same, which is, which is world hegemony, which is America having uh, the elites in America, not the American people per se, but the elites having hegemony over the rest of the world, and they don't like dealing mm-hmm. with stubborn nationalists. And that doesn't mean just because I'm saying this and that I you know, like Fidel Castro or that I like everything that Putin does or that I liked everything that Gaddafi does. But the point is, is that you know, those efforts, to, for example, all those CIA coup efforts against Castro, they weren't because, for the most part, because they had an issue with how Castro cheated, treated his people and because he executed dissidents and threw homosexuals in jail. The issue was that he was expropriating American multinationals like United Fruit and Rockefeller Standard Oil. And the big multinationals, had, you know, they wanted to be able to continue their neocolonialism over Cuba. It wasn't they, their issue with Castro was, wasn't that he was a dictator, it's that he wasn't uh, a dictator that was friendly to U.S. multinationals. And that's, that's what you find. I mean, these globalists or, you know, whatever you want, I call them globalists, but whatever you want to call mm-hmm. them, uh, they'll, work with, they'll work with anybody. They'll work with people from the left. They'll work with people from the right. They'll work with fascists. They'll work with communists. They'll work with dictators, as long as it allows them mm-hmm. to further their objectives. So the whole thing with Castro is that they, it's not that Castro was a dictator. They would have been fine with Castro as a dictator as long as Castro didn't upset the apple carts and mm-hmm. kept United Fruit happy and kept Rockefeller Standard Oil happy and kept the, uh, mm-hmm. the, the mob happy and everybody else as long as it meant the status quo. And it's the same thing with Putin. Putin, you know, Boris Yeltsin 
was a disgrace. I mean, he was an alcoholic who sold off um, all of Russia's treasures and private resources at rock bottom prices to, you know, the George Soros and the, and the financial speculators and all the rest. And then Putin came mm-hmm. in and put a stop to it. And the issue they have with Putin is that he's a nationalist. He's looking to further the aims and agenda of his own country. And that's why they have such an issue with Putin. And that's why it's so bad now that we've had 1950s-style McCarthyism, where if you say anything positive about Russia at all, you know, you're branded as some kind of um, agent of the Kremlin. Uh, that's, mm-hmm. But that's, that's the combination with all these people. And again, it doesn't mean that uh, I like everything these individuals did or that you're, you know, that because I'm saying this, that I think Putin's the, gr- the greatest thing since sliced bread. It just means that I think on, on a, a great many issues, Putin's right. And I don't think the sins of Putin are such that we should be looking to go to war with Russia or overthrow their government. Oh, man, you you have said a whole lot. Oh, I had a call on the hook. I guess it couldn't couldn't wait, but uh, hopefully they'll, <laughs> hopefully they'll call back in. But you know what? Outstanding. Huh? I, I, I was going to say, I know I'm going awful lot. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but if I can, I think there's another critical point here that, that, that you know, should be looked at more closely. And um, uh, are you familiar with the Trans-Pacific Partnership and the Transatlantic Trade and Investment Partnership? Mm Mm-hmm. Better known as TPP. Go ahead. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, and again, I'm going to say some positive things about Trump, but this doesn't mean that I agree with everything Trump has done. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of areas where people are are right to criticize him, but – it, I found it interesting that in the run-up to the election that, that Trump was oftentimes called a fascist and oftentimes called – you know, people were calling him a reincarnation of Mussolini. When I looked pretty exhaustively at the partnership and the transatlantic trade investment partnership, what I could, and I read articles from other authors, and the Trans-Pacific Partnership was really and – I, and I read a great article by William Engdahl, williamengdahl.com. The, trans, the Trans-Pacific Partnership was Mussolini's you know, fascism on steroids. I mean it really was the corporate state. I mean what the Trans-Pacific Partnership would have done is it would have made the world's largest multinational corporations more powerful than and unaccountable to any you know, sovereign nation state be it in America or Europe or Asia or elsewhere. I mean, it really just would have rendered um, any – it would have rendered any kind of sovereign government that wanted to regulate big corporations completely ineffective and powerless. And I just found it interesting that – you know, um, and you find out a lot of things through politics if you read the lines. So Hillary Clinton very – uh, it was very disingenuous when she came out after Trump and Sanders both went, both came out against the TPP and said, well, I'm not for it, even though she had called up the gold standard and helped negotiate the trade agreement behind closed doors. But when Hillary Clinton was thought to win the election, the story that came out was that co- the Republican Congress with President Obama were going to pass the Trans-Pacific Partnership through a lame duck session of Congress uh, with the idea being that Hillary Clinton was going to win the election. And maybe to mollify the public would make a few minor changes to the Trans-Pacific Partnership that really wouldn't amount to anything, but would mean that this would be you know, on the books, and it would just, like I said, completely uh, make big multinational corporations uh, more powerful than any government. It would make it impossible for governments to do anything to regulate corporations. Well, 
Trump wins and all these people that thought Trump was a fraud on trade and, again, part of the establishment, well, the first thing that happened after he won the election was that McConnell, the Senate majority leader, said, we're not even going to bring up these bills for a vote. And they did that because they know mm-hmm. that, knew that Trump was going to kill it. So this is another critical issue. So Trump managed to piss off the neoconservatives uh, that have a, a lust for permanent war and the big multinationals by killing the Trans-Pacific Partnership and the Transatlantic Trade Investment Partnership. And I find it interesting that he was constantly called a fascist when the most fascist piece of legislation I can think of in my lifetime uh, was the Trans-Pacific Partnership, and he helped to kill it. Well, I don't know if it was actually killed because I think it did. It was passed or still sitting there. Um, the it's interesting thing about dead. that, you think it's dead? Okay, oh, oh, I have yeah. to, I have to well, research they, that. They didn't, they, the thing was they didn't even bring it for a vote. And then Trump, after, after a day or two after he, elected, after he was elected, said, you know, we're withdrawing from negotiations with the Trans-Pacific Partnership. It's done. So it's dead. I mean, the rest of the world's acknowledged it. And they had a similar uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership kind of deal, the TTIP, uh, with Europe, and that's dead too. Now, if Hillary Clinton had got elected, I'd bet, I'd bet my life savings that these two um, trade um, treaties would have been passed through a lame duck session of Congress, knowing despite what Hillary said, that Hillary was you know, going to back these things and wasn't going to do anything to kill it. Hmm. You know, it, the interesting thing, especially about the TPP, was no one really knew what was in it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> on, on, only a few pages, but that was it. You know, no one knew what was in it. You know, the, the, what they did know mentioned intellectual property and things of that nature, but as far as the, the guts of it, no one really knew, and no one was allowed to see it. Um, so, what did that tell you? <laughs> oh, man. Is some, someone right about it. Someone right about it. Um, I mean, if it was such know, a good piece of legislation, then, then why couldn't the public bill? I mean, it tells me the fact that the general public was not allowed to see it, and for like a long time, it was like one. Of, there was a story that even if a congressman wanted to see it, he had it was in a basement somewhere in Capitol Hill, um, and mm-hmm. it, it was the, the 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 text of it was I think you know there was an armed guard looking over it, and if you wanted to look at the text, you had to sign your name in a book, and you weren't allowed to disclose any of the details to the media or anybody in the general public. Now, if this was such a good piece of legislation, wouldn't you be proud of it and want the general public to know all about it? Because, hey, this is going to be a great thing for America. It's going to be great for Asia. Instead, I I mean, think about it. It They made it illegal to share the, the contents of what was in the bill with the general public. Hmm. Yeah. Why would you do that? Yeah. But but you know that 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 that's status quo. Just the status quo, pretty much. That's what it is. Um. You know, and, and there there have been other other um similar type um bills tried um, that were attempted and didn't make it. You know, and but see, this is just a, 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 a overall. Continuation of what has been going on, and this I, I do believe this is why um, the American public is upset, um, and really does. I mean, can you really trust any of them? Let's be honest. Can you really trust any of them? Can you? No. I mean, you 
get to get on. I truly do not believe that he thought he would win. He just giggles, more or less. But, hey, weird things have happened. He's president-elect. And, you know, you have to you have to take a look at that. that you know, we, we back to the Russia-Syria um, kind of thing. You have to go back and look at this. Um, this guy's putting some serious generals in places that, you know, can create some real around the world. Would that be a good thing? I don't know. Would it be a well, bad thing? I don't know about that either. But it, it is interesting that that it's interesting that you have those individuals in place that, you know, their train of thought is is not passive. That's a good word. It's not passive. So if push comes right. to shove, I can foresee um, a skirmish somewhere around the world. That that's a good way of putting it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm I'm talking entirely too much. Um, and this is your show. But um, uh, well, I, I would say this. When I look at Flynn, who really seems to have Trump's ear, uh, Tillerson, um, and, and and a lot of the others he has in positions of power, the common denominators, and a lot of these military generals that he has around him, they all seem to feel that. Uh, uh, it, it would be a catastrophe to go to war with Russia. It would be a catastrophe to overthrow Assad. I, I think what I would say is that a lot of his the people around him, the best thing I would say is they seem to be more foreign policy realists. Are, 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 do I agree with them on everything? I don't. But I think they seem to have a more pragmatic, realistic view of foreign policy, which is it'd be best if we could stay out of war, of war with Russia or China and we could get along with them. It would be best if we could stay away from regime change. Um, and Trump's been saying that time and time again on his victory tour. And if we're going to be hawkish with anything in terms of our foreign policy, it should be towards defeating terrorism. I mean, it's gotten so bad. This is what a lot of people aren't even aware of. And Tulsi Gabbard, a Democratic congressman from Hawaii, has talked about this, that it's been so bad. Our policy has been so screwy in the Middle East that in Syria we've backed and funded and armed the Syrian rebels. The Syrian rebels are the terrorists. We're actually working with the people we're supposed to be fighting after 9-11 to overthrow Assad, which, which you would think is you know, you'd want to do the exact opposite. You would think you'd want to back Assad to defeat terrorism in the Middle East, but we've been doing the exact opposite. And so you know, what I'd like to see with our foreign policy, if I had my druthers, is when it comes to getting along with other major world powers like Russia and China – or regime change, I'd like to be very dovish and you know uh, look look for peace. When it comes to fighting terrorism, then I'd like to be hawkish. And from what I've seen with a lot of the people that he has around them, they seem to be more of that mindset. Do I agree with them on everything? I don't. He still has some neocons around them. But the thing is, Trump won the election, but he didn't win the election by such a decisive margin that he could bring in some of the kinds of people that he might want to bring in or that I'd want to see him bring in because you have to understand he has to get people confirmed by Congress, you know, and he's got an opposition party, the Democrats, they're going to oppose most of what he does because they're just the opposition and they want to discredit him. And he's got a lot of neocon hawks in his own party uh, that want a war with Russia. So he's, he's in a really tough position here, but I, and I think, but I think the people that are criticizing him on these issues, other issues, I think there's a lot of valid criticism on Trump, but I think in terms of his foreign policy, I think realistically, 
uh, I think it's the best thing you can hope for, which is that, you know, we're not going to get everything we want. But you know what? If Trump is sincere, and I think he is about wanting to get along with Russia and stay out of war and stay away from regime change, I think you've got to support him on that. Because the alternative is we can keep doing what we've been doing the last 15 years. Like, you know, I read, and this has come out publicly, the Iraq War has cost between 5 and $6 trillion. I mean, imagine that. Imagine if just, you know, half of that money had gone to rebuilding our infrastructure, like in Appalachia, in the inner cities, in the Indian reservations, how many jobs we could have created. And instead, we've got 5 to $6 trillion sucked out of our country, fighting war, that uh, has destabilized the Middle East and gotten lots of people killed. Mm-hmm. And if we keep doing that, we're never going to have any money for our domestic economy. It's like, you know, it doesn't matter how great somebody's plan is for what they want to do with the economy. If their agenda includes war, then you never get, you know, any kind of uh, money or attention paid to your domestic economy because every everything gets, you know, uh, funneled towards the war effort and towards the military. Mm. Oh, man, you said a whole lot. <laughs> and once again, great <laughs> points, great points. Um, you know, but I, I want to go back to something you said earlier about um, supplying uh, the rebels and things like that. Um, you know what? And that is the question I have been asking. How are you going to fight against someone that, number one, you created, you supply, you fund, and in a lot of ways you participate in so, I yeah. mean, you know, and to add to it, Russia, Russia is supporting Assad, you know, and yeah, that's the issue that's going on right there. They support, and Russia has actually fired on some of the rebels that um, the United States, you know, are supplying with weapons and things. Um, yes, I don't know if you are. heard heard um, over, you know, the earlier part of the show where we sent in 200 more soldiers, commandos, and bomb um, specialists over. Um, to so-called train and recruit, you know, and and, and see, once, once you get to talking about this, you have to realize there's another piece of this puzzle that no one really talks about, and that's Turkey, you know, because Turkey is upset oh, with the United yeah. States as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know. Oh so that God. that's a whole another another piece of the puzzle that no one is really discussing that really needs to be discussed because Turkey is upset that the Kurds are even involved in this thing. You know, and yeah. of course we're supporting yeah. them as well. So it, when you talk when we say destabilize the Middle East, yes, we the United States did that. And I, I must say yes, we did that cuz I was over there. We, yes, we did it. We destabilized it. You know, um, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, the, the the more you look at it, you just shake your head because you can see there's no way this thing is going to end favorable for anyone. For anyone, I wouldn't say that unless one thing, uh, unless unless one simple thing happens, everybody takes their troop and burn, and send them home. And let them work it out on their own. That's the only way. But then again, that is not that is not the the United States way. You know, that is not the Russian way. That is not the world's way. Someone has to be interfering with somebody else' um, way of life. That's just the, for some reason the way it is. Someone always has to feel that they have to be on top. Well, I'm by and large in agreement with what you would say as a general principle of foreign policy, but I do think with Syria, I think we need to switch sides. Instead of working with the rebels 
if we if we if the goal is to get out of there as quickly as possible, I think the best thing and stable and stabilize Syria. I think the best thing to do is, you know, is to work with Russia, or even work with Iran, work with China, and work with Assad to defeat the rebels. And if we all work together, you know, we could defeat the rebels and the terrorists in Syria to stabilize Syria very quickly, and the refugee flows, which are causing all kinds of other problems. And we could be out of there in short order. I mean, I think that's a smart move. And I think Russia went Russia went into Syria, by the way, because they knew if they didn't do something about uh, to prevent Assad from being overthrown, this refugee crisis was going to end up on their back door. And they've already had trouble with uh, terrorists mm. in che- Chechnya and, and other places. And they they mm. knew that if uh, they didn't step in, that uh, they were going to end up dealing with a lot of problems. Because the problem with these um, refugees, there's no way to vet them. There's absolutely no way to vet them. A lot of the refugees aren't even from Syria. They're coming from all parts of the Middle East. I read stories about these refugees in Europe that come in. A lot of them are men of military age without wife and children. You have no idea who they are. Uh, They come from a completely different kind of culture with different values. They have different ideas about women. I'm not saying they're bad people per se, but it's it's just a different kind of culture. And you have no idea if the people that are coming are coming for legitimate means or because they want to harm you. And that's why mm-hmm. Russia interfered because Russia knew. It's like, wait a minute. If this keeps up, Assad's going to be overthrown. All these refugees are going to come into Europe, and at some point they're going to come into Chechnya. We already had problems in Chechnya all the way back to the 90s with terrorism, and we don't want any mm-hmm. of that. So I, mm-hmm. I totally get why Russia – I'm very – I'll tell you what. I may have a lot of disagreements with how – Putin's handles his domestic. By and large, in terms of foreign policy, there's very little I can criticize Putin on. And I think uh, it's our media has done a major disservice in terms of misrepresenting the things that Putin has done. Like, for example, you mentioned Crimea. The thing was that Russia had a its only warm water port, which is very strategically important in Crimea. And if he let Ukraine um, – that new that neo-Nazi government in Ukraine take over Crimea, they would have put themselves at a major strategic disadvantage. Um, so it was a defensive action. And then the whole um, referendum in Crimea, the people in Crimea, you know, 95% voted in a referendum to, to join Russia. Putin didn't take mm-hmm. Crimea from Ukraine. The people in Crimea wanted to get the hell out of Ukraine because they had a new neo-Nazi anti-Russian government installed, which was installed, unfortunately, by our State Department and George Soros. Hmm. <laughs> Isn't it interesting by, how the main yeah. keeps coming way, up? I make an important point, point here, too. Um, everything I'm saying, this is it's a bipartisan cabal. It's not about – Republic, you know, the Democrats are to blame, and the Republicans are great, or the or, or the um, Democrats are, are great, and the Republicans are, are to blame. It's it's been very bipartisan in nature. So there were, believe mm-hmm. me, lots and lots of Republicans that thought overthrowing the government in Ukraine was a great idea. I'm talking Republicans like McCain and Lindsey Graham and Marco Rubio and the others. So I don't want you to think that I'm playing some kind of partisan, you know, uh, political card here. Mm-hmm. I'm really not. Not at all. Not at all. I, I, I'm agreeing with you, actually. <laughs> That's uh, agree with me. Yeah, I mean, I'm agreeing with you, man, because, I mean, you're right on point. You are. You are right on point. And, um, you know, it, it, it's great to, to hear that there's somebody else out there that is, you know, paying attention 
That's a good word, but uh, pay attention. That's <laughs> paying attention to, to what's really going on. Not only see, and, and that's where I think um, Americans have an issue because they do get caught up in, in the so-called mainstream media, which is full of propaganda. It has always been and shall always be. You know, that's nothing new. Um, but you know, it, it, it is it's to the point now to, and, and we are still living in in. Uh, modern day era um, with the McCarthyism, you know, well, yeah. if, you know, one country does not, you know, act like we, the United States think, you know, they're the enemy, period, you know, and we're not going to um, portray anything positive about it. Heck, it's very rarely we get anything positive, you know, about our own little cities where we live at on the news. So what makes you think they're going to do a country um, that has for a long time, um, be portrayed as the bad guy, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And let's be honest, Russia has always been Russia, China, Cuba, um, Iran, you know, even Iraq at one point considered the bad guys. Kuwait. I mean, so um, when when you think about that, it's, it's just one of those moments where you'd be like, man, I don't know. I don't know. Well, <laughs> and here's one of the things you got to ask too, right? Like, you know, Mm-hmm. Why should we believe the experts when they've been wrong about everything? Like, remember, okay, so I've been criticizing Obama and Clinton as Democrats. All right, so let's look at the Bush administration. Remember when, like, uh, Cheney and the neoconservatives, like, every like every other week were saying that Iran was, like, you know, a, a year away from having nuclear weapons. This was, like, back in 04, 05. So we had to go in there and attack Iran and, you know, have regime change. Well, it's 2016. You know, almost 2017, it's like 10, 12 years later. Where are all those nuclear weapons that Iran was supposed to have by now? (laughs) Well, (laughs) yeah, right. Like the weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. You know, remember, yeah. remember, and they said not only that there were weapons of mass destruction. I mean, they and, and they were saying they were nuclear weapons because let's face it, every country has weapons of mass destruction. But what they were saying was is that they had um, nuclear weapons or materials that could be used to construct nuclear weapons. And they and um, Rumsfeld said they were in the Anwar province, so they they said they had them and they knew where they mm-hmm. were. And then we go in and where did they go? <laughs> they were never there. Take it. I mean, take it from someone who who participated in both wars, okay, and walked around for hours and hours um, in mops, you know, chemical gear. They weren't there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they weren't there. Um, and anyone who who realized after the first Gulf War, you know, it, it he didn't have the capability. You know, and, and Saddam was. How you put it, like a bully, you know. I can threaten you all day long, and you know I know why I can't do anything, but I'm just gonna keep saying it so my people will believe that I can support, that I can defend them, and that you know, even as yeah. his troops are retreating, he still was uh, selling, as we say, wolf tickets. <laughs> you know, but <laughs> but then again, you know, it, it was already predetermined that you know the United States was going in. It was predetermined. They just had to find a way, i.e. 9-11, you know, who the Saudi Arabian government has come out and told the truth about, you know, which hijackers were from Iraq, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, which, which, um, 
you know, has been very much downplayed or just buried altogether <laughs> because no one really wants to talk about that part of it, you know. And, of course, you know, once again, that's just part of the propaganda machine that um, that's always in play. That's, that's, I mean, let's look at you turn on turn on Fox News or Fox radio station and, you know, they're always bashing the, the Democrats. They turn on CNN, whatever, they bashing the Republicans or what have you. I mean, so where do you where do you hear the truth at besides on shows like this and others that's on the air? And then you have to, you know, as I was saying, you have to watch what you they they prefer, you know, you watch what you say because you can be placed on all kind of lists, but the truth is the truth. <laughs> the truth, the truth you know, is, so. is the truth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and I you mean, know, the sad thing. So, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, you know, the sad thing is, I, I remember um, I, I was initially a Republican, and, and then I came to understand um, that the this, this was, you know, early when I first became interested in politics. And when I came mm-hmm. to understand that we'd been lied to about the Iraq War, I said, you know what? I will never ever join a political party again. I'm an independent the rest of my life. And I remember a lot of my friends and people I met on the left wing, you know, were the ones that were marching against the Iraq war and uh, Bush lied, people died and all that stuff. And you know what? They were right. Unfortunately, what happened Mm -hmm. was what I found out in 2008 was that they were, they were against, you know, immoral, illegal wars of aggression only when Republicans do it. Because as soon as president Obama got elected in 2008, the anti the left the anti war left wing peace protesters you know they went into witness protection program and now they've become right wing you know neo McCarthyites who smear anybody that has anything positive to say about Russia so when you mention propaganda you know that's the sad thing to me that uh, so many people to this day um, get duped and conned by the mainstream media and haven't learned to think for themselves I mean it's gotten I mean think about it I mean. There are lots and lots of people, good people, by the way, you know, who rightfully called out um, the Republican, rightfully called out George Bush for the Iraq war. And they've been silent the last eight years. They were silent about Libya. They were silent about the whole Arab Spring. They were silent about the coup in Ukraine. Uh, They are fully supporting the demonization of Russia and the McCarthyism, which is incredibly dangerous. And it just shows you, you know, the mainstream media is losing a lot of credibility. Um, You know, it's really only older people that listen to to television news, but they still get their narrative out there. I mean, they have to be, or all the left-wing peace protesters would would have been just as mad about all the wars and interventions the last eight years as they were about the Iraq war. And these people wouldn't be standing for um, potential war with Russia. Um, and neo McCarthyism, but they are, and they are because the propaganda is so effective. They still get their they still get their narrative out there, not as much as they used to, because if they did, got it as much as they used to, Trump would have been slaughtered. Trump won because we have a powerful enough uh, alternative media, which, by the way, has been smeared as you know being influenced by the Kremlin. The Washington Post had a pretty despicable article naming 200 alternative um, internet news sites as uh, being uh, unduly influenced or under the thumb of the Kremlin. The irony was, you know, when I read that article, you know what was funny about that article? A lot of the websites that were listed as being um, Uh somehow controlled by the KGB were websites that didn't even support Trump. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine that. (laughs) 
you know, but listen, listen, you know, it's just part of the conditioning that that we've, you know, that is done on a daily basis. You know, when when you watch the the the, the boob tube, you know, it's called programming for a reason, and of mm-hmm. course, you know, and it's 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 for it's scary to them that more more of the public is beginning to wake up and realize. You know the the debauchery that is that is this country uh, the p- political system, and it's it's scaring them. It, it really is. Now, yeah. can can we really see foresee a um a clear clear picture of what a political system is going to be like later on down the years? I doubt it seriously, and we may not even see it in our lifetime. I like you. I'm a libertarian. I mean, uh, um, <laughs> libertarian, independent. I'm an independent right. myself. So, you know, I, I I don't pay attention to none of them. I, I look at the facts and I dig. And see, that's that's something that um, the public fails to do. You know, and, and hence the the false news, the false flag, and how and social media. You know, everyone wants to believe what they see on social media. You know, that's the last place you want to <laughs> find real stuff at, unless you go back and double check and double check, not just one, but yeah. twice. You know, keep digging for sources because if it's true, there's sources out there. There's something out there that's going to verify it. You know, if you just mm-hmm. find one one site that that you know says okay, it's this and that's it, then nine times a ten, you know, it's, it's not even worth repeating. Let's long talk about right. reading. Um, but that is something that that you know um, the the American public has just fallen into the trap, and some would say yeah. laziness, you know. But it's it's just conditioning and programming. And that's all it is. Well, <laughs> that's and, that's and, all and it is. Silly when you think about it. I mean, like I don't know. I I think one thing I was taught in life was to. You know, learn from a variety of different people. Like I really like the um, like the Bruce Lee approach to martial arts. You know, being uh-huh. like water and being adaptable. And Bruce Lee's whole thing was, you know, he learned he didn't just learn one style of martial arts. He learned from everybody. He learned from uh, he learned judo from judokas. <laughs> he learned Greco-Roman wrestling from Greco-Roman wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Um, he mm-hmm. learned, you know, Filipino. He learned about from the Filipino system of martial arts. He learned how to train with weapons. Right. You know, and he started mm-hmm. out with Kung Fu. And if you look at, like, a lot of the, like, the MMA fighters today, you know, they, they don't have one system they utilize because they realize that limits how far they can go. So, you know, they, they learn to wrestle. They learn Muay Thai. Uh, they learn Jiu-Jitsu. Mm-hmm. They learn boxing. So I think that's, like, to me, that's how I've always looked at it. Like, I'm going to learn from a variety of different people. I'm going to listen to a variety of different people. I'm going to, you know, and I may learn from people who I – agree with 1,000% on one thing, but disagree with the 1,000% on another thing. And so few people, I think, think critically and do that. Right. I agree. And that's the the best way of doing it. Um, Let me welcome to the show Sister Ngoni. Um, I know my my sister always has some good stuff for me. Um, Welcome to the show, Sister Ngoni. How are you? Can you hear me? Yes, I can. You muted me. Oh, okay. I thought you said muted. I'm fine. How are you doing, Mr. Talk? I, okay. I don't really have a whole lot to say. I'm just really enjoying your guest, your caller, and I know you said you had to, you had a little need, so you go ahead and take care of it, and maybe uh, your guest has some more thoughts to, to share. If not, I'll maybe think of a question or something, but 
I'm just really enjoying you guys' dialogue. He made a lot of good points. Really did. And, and, uh, and are you, greetings, is this Brian or Ryan? Brian. Brian, hi. My name's Ngoni. And are, are you the same gentleman that was on, uh, was it Friday? No, no, I've never called this show before. I just found okay. it today. Okay, all right. That's very interesting. I'm glad I asked you because um, uh, the young man that called, uh, or the gentleman that called, we were, he was a libertarian, so I was going to ask a question uh-huh. about that. Yeah, but anyway, I won't I'm do that. I'm not a libertarian. That's the same person. <laughs> yeah. I have yeah. nothing against libertarians, but I'm not a libertarian. I don't have anything against them either. I had been doing a little... Uh, uh, research because I was really interested when uh, Ron Paul was running and he did raise Me the consciousness too. of the people, you know, and he brought out some very, very, I thought, important points. And that sent me on a little uh, search to try to understand it a little bit better. And I found in my listening to different groups like Stefan Molinet, I can't pronounce his name, he's from Canada, Mo- Molinet, uh-huh. I think that's a French yeah. name, and uh, Lock and Rose and so many other great people. Uh, Lou Rockwell, I love to listen to him, and uh, so many different ones. But I found uh, something was missing. Tom Wood, that's another one. And sure, then I, I, I got to meet I, those people. Really? Well, uh, uh, I dug. Yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Oh no, I was going to say I got to meet them at, a, at the Campaign for Liberty convention in Pennsylvania. I believe it was mm-hmm. back in 2009. I met Ron Paul. I mm-hmm. bought one of his books and got him to sign it. I heard him talk. I actually got into a spirited debate, friendly debate, but a spirited about 20 minute debate with um, Tom Woods about free trade. <laughs> and uh, I'm not a free trader, and he is. We just disagree on that issue. But um, mm-hmm. I mean, they're very nice people. And what I um. The reason what what attracted me to Ron Paul was a lot of what he was saying about foreign policy, and especially in 2008, I was really concerned in 2008 that um, uh, we were going to end up going to war with Iran. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Russia really wasn't on the radar as much, and I, I love a lot of what libertarians have to say about foreign policy. Um, and you know things like the Patriot Act, which you know I, I, I'm in full agreement with, with them on things like that. I just mm-hmm. I have some different differences of opinion about the economy. Like libertarians are, you know, diehard believers in free trade. I, I just don't think free trade works. And I think, you know, I think a lot of what they want to do economically at home, I just I don't really agree with. But um, but I, I still, you know, I, I like listening to those people, Thomas Woods and Lou Rockwell. And there's some things I agree with them a lot on, and there are some other things that I, I, I you know, I have some disagreements on. But I, I think they're good, I, from what I've seen, they're good people. I think so, too, and I found it very interesting to listen to, and that's how I learned, because I think if a person is not willing to open their mind to listen to people they don't yeah. agree with, then how do you know what you really stand for? And one of the things that I discovered in my, in my effort to understand where they were coming from mm-hmm. is that um, they, the, the thing, uh, the libertarian movement was started um, by, um, oh, gosh, what is the name of the – it's like um, for business people. You know, they have the business um, – oh, I can't think of the name of it. But they were funded by, by the uh, capitalists that were wanting to push back against the New Deal from FDR after the Second World War. That's what started the movement, um, and right. their issue, the biggest issue is uh, property issues. Now, I don't have anything against that, but – well, sort of, but but my real issue, what I find is not so much what they say, but what they don't say. Like you, I agree that 
so-called laissez-faire capitalism or free trade, we've never really had free trade. I mean, if you're a working class person, you're free to clock in and clock out. But you know, it's right. only the people that right, have right. big money that uh, that uh, yeah that make those decisions that affect all the working people's lives. But what I find that they don't talk about is uh, is you know like okay they they're real good when it comes to they believe everyone should be free and there shouldn't mm-hmm. be people in jail you know for with not having any uh what do you call it um injured party you know they might have just got caught right. with a little marijuana or something like that ruined yeah. their life and, and so I, right. I think they are good-hearted people but you know what i i hear what they don't say is how do we repair the damage that's been done from these these faulty policies they, they don't have a program for that it's like okay yeah. let's well, everybody just be free happy let's volunteer to right. treat each other nice so let's just all get along <laughs> bye see you later <laughs> you know yeah, well, when I talk to Thomas Woods, for example, um, like I'm in Pennsylvania, which is which is like a big Rust Belt state, you know, traditionally, um, you know, lots of uh, heavy manufacturing and industry. And I was talking to Tom Woods, like I have a lot of relatives up in um, northeastern PA. That's where my father's family's from. And my, my dad grew up in a small, lower middle class town. You know, um, people weren't rich there. People weren't poor. Uh, but and, and you know, but everybody had a job. But it was all blue collar manufacturing. Like you had people that lived in my dad's town that worked for Bethlehem Steel, which closed up in 2001, and they had a casino where Bethlehem Steel is now. You had um, textiles. You had a company that made uh, thermal underwear. You had a company that made dynamite, and you had trucking. And everything but the trucking is gone now. So all those other blue collar manufacturing jobs are for people that so they can make a good living, even if they didn't have a college education. It's all gone. And I just know. within the last ten years, um, you can see, you know, like every, you know, like the the, the the town and the housing doesn't look as good. Uh, they have a problem with methamphetamine that they never had before and drugs pouring in. And you see this in a lot of small towns across um, uh, Pennsylvania and Ohio, a lot of these Rust Belt towns. And what I was talking to Tom about was uh, – Thomas, I mean, I don't really know him – was about like, look, you know, free trade sounds great in the classroom. I can under- completely understand why when you read about you know free trade, how you would believe in it because I mean it sounds great. It sounds like you know who could argue against it, but in the real world, you know when you have free trade, um, it, it, you know the real world applications don't duplicate what you learn in the classroom, and you have to adjust accordingly. And what we've been sold on for the past you know 50, 60 years since World War II is that if we trade with other countries, we'll never have war again, and the consumers benefit from lower prices. But what I've seen is that you know these small towns that I've come across, like in Pennsylvania, they've lost their manufacturing. Um, you have more drugs and crime, a lot more drugs and crime come in. Sure, do they have a Walmart? They have a Walmart where they can get cheap imported goods from China. But, you know, if the Walmarts were so good for everybody, then why are so many more people in poverty, even though they have the cheap stuff from China? And you, but you see this in Pennsylvania. You see it in Ohio. You see it in Michigan. And anyway, one of the interesting things was that in this election, um, Luzerne County, which includes Scranton and Wilkes-Barre, well, they went heavily for President Obama in 2012. I think he won Scranton Wilkes-Barre by seven, eight points. Trump won Scranton Wilkes-Barre, and he won because when he went into a lot of these small towns, 
uh, like in Luzerne County in Pennsylvania or in Ohio and Michigan, his message was a strong populist anti-globalization message. We're getting killed by free trade and the trade agreements. And, um, and again, point being is that with a lot of libertarians, um, you know, you know, you have to look at the real world applications of what you're doing. And um, I, I've had, when I got involved and met a lot of these libertarians, I would talk to them about like things like trade or you know, immigration. And it was just like, you know, they didn't have an answer for a lot of the questions I was posing. And they didn't have an answer because uh, they, they just, they're kind of, they're not, even libertarians, I found oftentimes. Not as bad as Republicans and Democrats were not open to listening to other points of view. They just they had their one way of looking at things, and nothing that you could say would convince them otherwise. Because they they're moving off of a a, a long standing ideology and a world perspective, and and yeah. I agree with you. And I think they're good people, but just like Tom Woods, you know, I have an issue with him because. You know, like I, I, I haven't met him or talked to him in person. I just listened to some of his, you know, presentations and so forth and leave a comment. Sure. And, and one of my comments, you know, you, you, you're a businessman, and so business people, especially, they're not the big business people. They're the upper middle class, you know, entrepreneur types, that kind of thing. And so they right. need to maintain a colony of underdeveloped uh, captive uh, low-wage workers for their business enterprises. So, so to me, the whole issue is not that they don't understand uh, the uh, impact of fair. Uh, I mean, sorry, free trade. It, they don't yeah. care because because they have a need for a pool They're of profiting. Uh, is and they have to, they need people to labor. Okay, yeah. so yeah. you know, so it it suits their needs to be able to kind of turn a blind eye to. Uh, some of the issues that you're bringing up and that other people are suffering because yeah. I don't think they're bad people, but, you know, not too many people work against their own interests. Now, do they? Well, well no, and I, and I just think, you know, you have to look. I mean, look. No, but you don't. you can show because me how see, free trade works, but see, I, but I you, believe it. But, yeah. but you said, but you see, you, you made another point earlier, and your points were, yeah. you've been on point really good, but you made another point. You said, you were talking about them going in, getting out quick, you know, if they could go in Syria and get out quick. Now, I'm going to change the subject. I just want to point out something to you. You are looking at this thing from a moral, what's right standpoint of view. And I think the key thing here is, for me anyway, is to see that the, those who are making these decisions are not looking at it from that point. They don't care. They no, only they care don't. about what they need, and, and, and all what we see is happening here, in my view, is happening by design. It's a plan. Nothing's happening by accident. Yeah. Look at the world. They Absolutely. build up, a, they build up a, 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 a continent, uh, not just this one. They build it up. It takes hundreds of years, and then the high rollers begin to, to monopolize the benefits and the, and the assets, yeah. and they buy up it. So a lot of people that are in – gold investors and some of these mm -hmm. uh, high roller economists right. that are always talking about what's going to happen. If you really listen to them good, they can't wait for this whole thing to collapse because you know why? They have the resources to be able to go buy up all the good stuff for pennies on the dollar. They can't wait to see it. They don't care about well, how many little children point. are going to go to bed yeah. hungry. They don't care about how many people are going to starve to death. They don't care about how many people right. are going to freeze to death in the winter because they can't pay their heating bills. They don't care. They just want to you know, continue as usual, accumulating. Well, that, it's materialism. That, yeah, true, it is. 
nothing to do with industrial capitalism, which we've traditionally had here. It's casino capitalism. And what you mentioned is what they did in Greece recently. Um, and, and a really interesting article you may find interesting. Um, uh, one of the websites I like to go to is the Saker.is. And there was an article um, by William Engdahl, and they did exactly what you're talking about I in love him. the 1990s. <laughs> I love listening to him. And mm. they wow. did, but but what you just mentioned uh, is ex- is to a T what they did in Russia in the 1990s after the after the collapse of the Soviet Union. I mean, they just they looted and raped the Russian economy, sold off all their assets at rock bottom prices. And we see that scenario play out over and over again. And what you mentioned about politicians here, I think I'm not so naive to think that politicians 20 or 30 years ago were great people and there was no corruption. I think there's always been corruption and graft. I think the difference now is because these um, elites, these multinationals and banks have so much power and sway over politicians that we get more of the bad. And we've always had bad, but we get less of the good. So whereas maybe 20 years ago, we had, you know, we had, we always had corruption and graft. We got some good to go with it. I think now the difference is, is we're getting so much bad and so little good. And this system of globalization, um, it just isn't working for people. I mean, we're seeing all the benefits accrue to the top, not even 1% income earners, but the top 1,000th of 1%. And here's something to consider. Maybe this is a different way of looking at it, but if I were one of these elites and whether – like if I were a Rothschild or a Rockefeller or a Soros or a Koch brother, and I was interested in making sure nothing changes, the status quo remains, and nobody threatens my wealth and power, and there are no changes to the system, you know what I would do? I would put a lot of money into propagandizing people and to promoting identity politics, and I would try to pit men against women white against black, black against Hispanic, uh, white against Asian. I would try to have people separated into as many groups as possible and to have people fighting as much as possible amongst each other about things that in the grand scheme of things aren't that important so they don't see what's going on behind the curtain. And I can maintain my wealth and power because one thing they do realize is is that there are a lot more of us than there are of them. But one of the problems today that we're seeing more and more of in America here, and I'm sure elsewhere too, um, whether it's in Europe or in Asia or in the Middle East, is that you know we're separated and divided in a million different ways. And the only way to change things is to get a mass movement with lots of different people from different religions and ethnic groups to work together. But they've done a masterful job in destabilizing America and destabilizing other countries by getting people to fight amongst themselves rather than working mm-hmm. together. And that's exactly, if I were one of these, you know, sociopaths, one of these elites, mm. and, I, and I'm George Soros, and I don't want anything to change, I have to tell you, that's exactly what I would do. <laughs> Mr. Tuck, can I say one last thing? I would like to yes, thank you, you gentlemen, because I'm telling you, I, I just, you give me a little bit of hope. And I'm, okay, thank <laughs> you very much. Yes. You know what? And those are some very great points. And if you take just what you said and look at it in a big picture today, um, today's society, that's exactly what you have uh, <laughs> without without question. So those are some very, very good points. But let me bring Maze into the conversation. She's been waiting patiently. So let me bring her in. Welcome to the show, Maze. How are you? Hello, I'm just fine. Well, I guess if I was one of those group, if I was one of those group of people, like George Soros, people I don't know, like he's only, 
I would say, y'all all work together. So let's give all them names. And the same people with money that's doing the same thing has been doing it for years and years and years. So new people done came aboard and thinking this is something new and something different, but it's the same thing. The same people still trying to stay rich. So it's not about mixing mixing and confusing people. It's about these parties, the Libertarian Party, the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, all these parties. They are the same people trying to get a hand on some money. Until people realize that they can listen to all kinds of sermons and all kinds of everything. But once they click in, they all work together because Hillary and Donald are going to end up working together and I don't know what people going to do, go crazy then. They're not enemies. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I've said that quite often, you know, and I think that's one of the reasons why he has decided not to lock her up as the chant used to be. Because eventually, you know, he's going to use her for something. He's going to need her for something. Um, and, and that's just the, the way the game is played. But as we often say here on the show as well, no matter what is going on, the only thing you have to do is follow the green, and it'll lead you to whatever the truth is. Now, you may take a while to get there, mm-hmm. but it'll take you to where the truth, what the mm-hmm. truth is, without a doubt. Um, hold on for a minute, y'all. We got two minutes left in mm-hmm. the live show. Uh, before we be going in overtime. So if you're not on the switchboard, you need to get here, 347-838-8622. If you can't stay, thank you for listening, and you can catch the rest of the show on the archives. Okay. But, yeah, you you know, so uh, it's it's constantly, it's a game that's being played, and, you know, as as Brian was saying, it's all about distractions. And we we said that before, too. You know, there's always something that's, um, being pushed in in mainstream news, you know that all all the little channels pick up on, and they keep pushing, 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 and that's just to take your your um your your attention off of what's really going on behind the scenes. You know, so it, it, like May says, it, it's been going on for years, and it's going to continue to go on until, as Brian said, we we decide to come together and change it. Now, how long that's going to be? I don't know. Because there's always going to be those that that um that's that's going to be out there pushing pushing propaganda and programming and conditioning and distractions, and we just have to wake up enough to to be able to realize the difference between what what's being told to us and what's really happening. You know, that's that's my opinion on that. Well, I'm all working together, and you got a, a few on this corner saying it's somebody's fault. Got one on this corner saying this is this, this person's fault. But they all working together, just a small group of people trying to control the rules. And, and they eventually going to run out. Because <laughs> everybody going to wake up one day. Now, let's not forget, remember, um, what was it, last year? Was it last year or the year before last? I think it was last year when China decided to open their own national bank, you know, for the Asian part of the country. And it was it was such a shock to the United States to where they really were upset because even allies such as Australia, Q, I mean, Canada and things and countries like that were talking about joining this. And that really upset the United States. Um, it's, it's interesting that you haven't heard much else about it. Um, it's hard to find anything on it. So I don't know whether it went through mm-hmm. or they just killed it. But, you know, that was another issue that had popped up that that wasn't really talked a lot about. 
for Mr. Talk, I think one day free trade is really going to be what it should be. Feel like the Native Americans, they can't even do what they need to do here, and this is their land. So I don't know what people be talking about when they get to talking about some free trade and all this different stuff about who's doing what. They can't even get a free treaty, a right, the right treaty to do what was signed on paperwork. So what do you think other countries can get? A renege. <laughs> so Putin, they ran him out of office. Putin coming back, and he's going to get the ones that, that, that ran him out of office, and that's his agenda. And then so people can sit back and look at it. I don't need to look and listen. Nobody else tell me about it because uh, all you got to do is look and listen and follow and see what he's doing and who got rid of him. They believe in payback. Mm. Mace. Yes. Uh, is this the maze that used to call him the Andre show? Yeah, this is the Brian that used to call the Andre show. Uh-huh, from Philly. Yes, it is. Man, I, I'm I doing just fine. I haven't heard from you in a long time. I haven't heard from you either. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame that we know each other, isn't it? Two voices. <laughs> I knew it was you when I heard you. <laughs> well, oh, wow. I, it's, good to, it's good to hear so your you voice. Maze and I used to mix it up you, a lot, but you never know, were on the same side, ultimately. Yeah, you you satisfied with your new president? I'm sorry? Are you satisfied with your new president? We'll see. If he keeps us out of war with Russia, yes, because I fear that, you know, if if, if the Trump does one thing, and that one thing is we're, we stay out of a nuclear war with Russia, then I'll, I'll take it. I'll disagree with him like hell if he, if he, you know, doesn't live up to his promises and he um, well, maintains the status quo. But if, I'll tell you what. The alternative was a no-fly zone in Syria and war with Russia. And if we have war with Russia, nobody wins. I don't want a war with two countries armed with people. I don't want a war with nobody. I, I don't want a war with anybody either. It's why I left the Republican Party in 2003 because of Iraq. But if you so, – if, if with that party talk, the Republican Party, well, we don't know. He has to be a strong man and not believe was, what they're going to throw out of him. We'll put it that way. Well, yeah. Well, the problem Trump has is he's surrounded by enemies with the knives, and I don't know what's going to happen. But I know that <laughs> I know one thing: if he keeps us out of war with Russia, he'll have done the world a great service. And I, the problem was every other Republican running for president and Hillary Clinton all won at war with Russia, and you know they won at war with Russia because they wanted a no-fly zone in Syria. So if we have a war with Russia. You can forget about any of our economic problems at home being addressed because all the money and attention is going to be spent to fighting a war. <clears throat> if you get into a war well, with two nuclear, if you have a war with two nuclear powers, that could not, be the last war that, that we ever had. They said that with the president, they were going to have a war with Russia and they were going to go fight. But Putin and the president got along very well. But the problem that I'm listening to is when I hear them say that that, that Putin interfered in the election in America. Now when Netanyahu interfered in the Congress, went down in the well and talked to the American people, what was he doing? Yeah, Putin didn't interfere. Putin didn't interfere. I'm saying, what was he doing when he came over here and did that? Well, it was the, that was a tit for tat. Yeah, you know okay. that was more of a tit for tat because wondering. because the United States interfered in their elections as well. So the Republicans, yeah, the, 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 <laughs> yeah, but, but, but stop. the Republicans gave him the opportunity to come and stand in the Senate and speak. Yeah, I remember that. I remember, I remember that. that was so disrespectful. Mm-hmm. And he was yeah. pushing for war with Iran. Thank you. Right. And nobody well, was you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, when it comes to Israel, I, I have such a, 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 I don't know what to say. I, I hate to say and this I don't 
But, but um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know really think Donald is going to be playing the game either with him. Say again? Because Putin really, Putin really don't care for Netanyahu, if anybody really looking. No, mm. Putin has would have an issue with Netanyahu is that Putin Putin wants to keep stability in the Middle East. You know, part of the problem, and this is what I never understood about Israel when you stop and think about it, it's in Israel's best interest that you don't destabilize and overthrow governments. But you know, Netanyahu is the ultimate neocon. I mean, Netanyahu he came to talk about Netanyahu going to Congress. Netanyahu came to Congress before the Iraq War when he was out of office and stated that. We'd be welcomed as heroes and liberators in Iraq. It would cost $30 billion. <clears throat> Everything was going to be wonderful. Of course, he lied his ass off. But, um, but the issue, the issue that the reason why Putin's in the crosshair is because he's a nationalist. And because he realizes that it's in everybody's best interest that we have stability in the Middle East. But to, but, but, but to show you why – one, one of the reasons why I do like Putin is even though he has a lot of disagreements with Israel and, and Netanyahu and other countries, he always tries to talk through problems. He's had to fight his way through them. So he's had a lot of problems with Netanyahu, but he's also showed a willingness to try to work with uh, Israel rather than fight with them. But, but Netanyahu is a big part of the problem because he's, a, he's an uber hawk, and he's been wrong about so many things. You know, I love it when people talk about, well – you know, Trump doesn't have experience. Well, you know, if somebody has experience coaching a football team and they've been coaching a football team for 10 years, but they never won a playoff game, then that's not good experience. And when I look at people like uh, Netanyahu and a lot of these neocons, they have plenty of experience. They have plenty of experience destabilizing the rest of the world and getting, you know, lots of people killed and wasting trillions of dollars on wars that could be spent elsewhere on the economy. Uh, so what you're saying about you know Netanyahu, yeah, I, I think he's part of the problem. And the sad thing is, um, the types of policies Netanyahu's promoted have made Israel a lot safe too. It's not benefited Israel at all. So anyway, as I say, enjoy your new president. I have no problem. You enjoy him when he makes you unhappy. I'm just gonna sit back and laugh at you. And if he makes you happy, I'm gonna laugh at you. Because that's y'all politics, well, and I don't like his politics. I didn't vote for him and, 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 and have at it. But just stand up for him well, when you can. Don't well, drop down on your knees, because I stood with the one that I voted for. What's that? The person that I voted for, I stood there, and I stood with him. And he'll be gone, well, and then y'all get, have in what y'all have. But stand up with him. Don't don't dwell off of him. Stand up with him if you like his well, politics. Yeah, that's all I, I got to say. I don't have that kind of loyalty in politics. I wasn't like a Bush guy. Or, or, or all the people that supported Obama blindly for eight years. It doesn't work that way. I wasn't blindly support when Excuse he does me. things I agree no, with. No, 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 when he no, does no, things no. I disagree I, with, I'm going to speak very loudly about that. That was not so how I very look at politics. But, but no, Brian, the things that they were talking about that, it was, that they wanted people to speak about with the health care and all this unnecessary stuff that would have benefited the American people, that's what they was discussing. And the politics that they were discussing had nothing to do with the president being president because that laser Congress that they got up there, and I'm wondering if they're going to feel – Trump's cabin, the whole fill it up to the key. His was never full still. His was had empty spaces. See, people don't talk about the dirty deeds that were done. They always talk about his presidency and speaking out of speak. I was speaking out about what was wrong done that was done for his whole cabin. It was never filled. It should have been, but it wasn't. But then when it comes to you, you don't say nothing about it either. But we're gonna see if Trump's gonna be filled to the capacity. Uh, no, I, I don't think that's fair at all. For example, when when Obama worked <laughs> up the whole nuclear deal with Iran, I thought that was probably his best moment. You know, I, I look. I, I don't think. 
I'm a political atheist. I don't. I'm an independent. And when like I thought Obama did two really good things. I I, I thought the uh, the stimulus bill with the infrastructure was good, and I thought the deal with Iran was probably his finest moment. And I'm more than happy to support people on issues I agree with. When they do something I disagree with, though, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna speak out of it. And we always disagreed about that because you thought you know you, you couldn't accept that I just had genuine disagreements with Obama on the issues. And as no, far no, no, as Trump no, no. The goes, issue that we were the, the issue that we were discussing, you was uh, you was agreeing you were disagreeing. Because I never uh, discussed about uh when he went over and uh, and killed uh what's his name? Uh what's the man that went over there and killed I didn't agree with that. Uh Gaddafi. That's right, I didn't agree with that. But y'all thought right. it was a great thing. I didn't. I, 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 I so we didn't agree that. with him. We didn't agree with him. We didn't agree with everything eight years. We agree with him on things that would be benefiting the people that the lazy Congress didn't do anything about. The bill still sitting on the desk that was never signed by him because they didn't want to do it. That's what I was just agreeing about. Okay. Well, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, we just we had some things. Oh, yeah, to agree on some things not. Yeah. Yeah, the part of his legacy will be that Iran deal. I think that'll be the best part of his legacy, and if Trump tries to undo that, I'll have a major problem with it. But well, again, he's my, my undo all of it. I don't know that he Somebody will. Have a problem. If he does, I'm going to have a big problem. But I'll tell you what, if Trump's a fraud, like, for example, about Russia, well, I'll tell you what, he managed to piss off every element of the establishment. He had Wall Street, the Chamber of Commerce, the neocons, the DNC, most of the Republican Party, the entertainment industry, all against them. So if Trump's uh-huh. a fraud and lying about Russia, well, boy, he's quite a con because he managed to, to anger every single el- powerful element of the establishment. And I don't know. Thing with me at the election was, I'm thinking to myself, well, you know what? <clears throat> There's two ways we can look at this. We can vote for Hillary Clinton, get Hillary Clinton into office, and we could be at war with Russia in six months, or perhaps we could be we could work together with Russia and avoid a war. And to me, it made the choice very simple. When it comes to matters of life and death and war and peace, I'm always going to choose the less militaristic candidate. Well, that's what I'm trying to say. Well, I'm glad it was the end of an era, the Bushes and the Clintons. The era is over, which I am happy. I hope so. And I, I didn't care so. who I didn't care whoever went in. It didn't matter to me because I didn't like the politics anyway. But with with, with Donald Trump, y'all gonna have to live with whatever he does for four years, or if he as he say eight years or whatever it go. But Donald Trump said one thing for you, Mister Talk, that the military didn't have to be begging for money for no veteran. Right. We gonna see if he's gonna stand <laughs> to his word on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, hey, I, I, I've got to run, but thank you for taking my call. And Maze, gosh, it's yeah, Brian, it's not been a long time. Yes, it's your you take care. Yeah. Now you too. Thanks, Brian. Anytime. All right, man. I tell you, what a great man. Yeah, what a great kid, man. I tell you, that that was outstanding right there. I like that. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, it's re- it's refreshing, uh, and I'm kind of with Sister Angola. You know, it, it gives you a little hope. That there are those out there that understand what's going on, the big picture, you know, not just stuck in the in the little square that's called the United States of America. Yeah, yeah, I know it's not a square for all you technical people. I'm just using it as an uh, 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 analogy, okay? You know, I have to clarify that. But you know, the kid, the cat is, you know, he has some very great points, very good points. Um, you know what, Maze though. I heard what you said about about President Obama, and uh, you know, why should he get a free pass though? You know, I mean, everything he did wasn't that great. I didn't say that. I said I was not arguing about what he didn't do that was great. 
I was saying the things that he no did credit. do. He didn't get no credit for that. <laughs> well, he got credit for Nothing catching he did. Bin Laden. It, he got credit it'll be just like, I, I, I didn't agree with that. <laughs> you didn't yeah, agree with him catching Bin Laden? The one that, no, I didn't. Okay. I never said I did. See, that's why people are <laughs> not listening very well when they say they was with him lockstep. When it's pertaining to what American people should have and should be getting, I was there. I didn't vote for him to go over there and miss no bin Laden. Uh, 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 Diddy John said, he better watch his back because somebody was doing stuff and had his back. <laughs> people forget and mm. don't remember stuff. They got, they got, they got, how you call it, amnesia. They forget things. Mm. And if you listen to a real close ear and you don't forget and you can always remember and roll back. And listen, mm-hmm. you don't need nobody else to tell you. You just tell other people what's on your mind. Uh-huh. And when you do that, and then it'll hit a note like, oh, yeah, sure, did it happen. And then he did say that. Mm. So a whole lot of things that happened that I didn't agree with. But a whole lot of things that mm. should have happened that didn't happen, and nobody was complaining about it. Mm. That's where okay. it stop at there. <laughs> That's where it stop at there? Yes. Well, okay. <laughs> so All right. I guess it's almost time for you to go because I guess you got the bowl or you got to go take the kid to a game. Actually, <laughs> need a day. Uh, that you give a try to read, tell me what I need to go and do. <laughs> no, I didn't say I was asking you. I wasn't saying that. So you misunderstood me again. Uh, uh, you misunderstood okay. what I said. I misunderstood what you said? Okay. Yes. No, I didn't misunderstand. But, yeah, you know, um, the climate in the world is is very interesting, and you know the the area. And you know what the other part is of the 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 area of the uh, the world that we're discussing, you know, really has a, a something else that you know we really didn't touch on, and that's oil. You know, yeah. there's a whole lot of oil over there. You know, no one, you yeah, know, too. we didn't touch on that today, but there's a whole lot, and. Believe it or not, there's other countries that has, let's say Venezuela for for uh, uh, one, you know, the largest reserves in the world. But you know what? They're going broke. You know why? Because they owe so much money to places like China and Russia, you know, for bonds and things because the rest of their economy sucks without the oil. So, you know, um, like but I'm wondering I said earlier, I wonder where they want right. to get out of Cuba that they open it back up again. Wonder. I mean, Same I wonder where they want to get. Everywhere else on the planet. <laughs> Seems like everybody well, with the resources. You got to pretend that you're doing free trade, but you're taking their resources. Of course. Of course. Of course, uh, that's the way it has been and shall be until someone really. I mean, it changes. Now the question is, when will it change? Who knows? Probably not in our lifetime, but it has to change eventually. It has to. You know, that's just the the the, the nature of the beast, I guess you can say. It's going to change. You know, for everything that's up got to come down eventually, correct? Yep. So it, it's, well, it's going to happen. Start by nature. Because <laughs> <laughs> when nature just starts up, you got to start all over anyway. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it. going to happen. So, you know, just need to pay attention. Need to pay attention. Yes, it, but I do do find it interesting how you know they're still riding this fake news, um, uh, um, um, doc, you know, um, 
narrative that they're just trying to use over and over again to classify this and classify that. Man, get over it, you know, because regardless, they, they're going to tell us things they want us to believe. And if we, we're dig- diligent enough, we know what's real and what's not, or we we have the tools to find out. And, and you know that's the that's the that's the most um, um, confusing thing there is. We have the tools to find out whether a story is true or not, but okay. we fail to um, um, utilize them. So at well, the end, you know, you say, "Well, I really didn't know." But why didn't you know? The only thing you had to do is click here and click there, just like. Um, Military-wise, you know, it's interesting that they, they come out with these video games where you sit there and you shoot and you fly little things all around. Well, in reality, that's what the the military is coming to today. So without you even knowing it, you're, you're training the young kids, um, the military rising them without them even knowing it. Even even um, the local police department. I, I'm going to tell you, I was outside the other day. And, you know, walking my dog, and I look up, and it's a drone flying around, <laughs> up and down in the air around my house. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about a, a big military drone, you know, the, the ones that you can buy at the store or what have you. Mm-hmm. It's just flying back and forth. I'm looking like, really? Really? You know, you <laughs> I start to shoot. Look, life. I start to shoot it down, but I said, no, I better not do that because <laughs> it may they not be what I thought it was. They have them, don't they? Some people have to have lessons. Well, uh, you're supposed to. You're supposed to. Yeah, I know. But that, that, you know, but that is that. That's the point. It's the same as sitting in your house. I mean, sitting in a trailer somewhere in Virginia mm-hmm. and flying a drone in Saudi Arabia, dropping bombs on someone. It's mm-hmm. the same principle. Yeah. Yes, but. Because oh, they put so, the so and I'm, I'm using that as an as an example uh-huh. to say, you know, that's part of the programming and conditioning that is going on that no one really is paying attention to, and, and that's where we're headed. It, it's yeah. simple. It's so simple, but yet uh, so complicated at the same time. I guess you can say, because no one is. And well, I'm not gonna say complicated. It's just simple, but because we aren't thinking about it or, or putting two and two together, you know, well, he's just flying a drone, you know. Yeah, it's more than that. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's it's really more than that. And who's to say that's just somebody locally driving, flying a zone, uh, drone? You know, that that's one thing that is done a lot is they saturate the market with a bunch of things. So as far as when you see it, you know, instead of you being suspicious of it, you know, you're like, oh, that's just somebody flying the zone. When actually, that could be somebody spying on you, looking at what you're doing, keeping tabs on you. But we've well, been programmed so much to, to accept it and say, well, that's just a kid flying it. You know, nobody really pays attention, and that's something that we have to get out of. Go ahead, Maze. I know you've been trying to say something. Oh, but do you think the drone going to be like the cell phone for you flying on people and people flying on you? They already, they already are. That's what I'm saying. So if you think you're doing something wrong or trying to get away sneaky, somebody watching you at the same time. So now they want to use drones to go around your house for your security instead of uh, having the security system. They want to use a drone so you can watch your house. But they don't even have to do that. You know, um, no. me and Sister Ngoni talked uh, a while ago about, you know, smart TV, smart washing, dryers, you know, anything that's considered smart in your house. Nine times out of ten, it's watching you. You don't even know it. 
you know. <laughs> and then you know it, and you're telling them what you wanted to hear. <laughs> that is the, that's the that's the beauty of it. You telling it what you want to hear. <laughs> them to hear. That's, if, that's, that's if you are aware. That's if you are aware. Yeah, if you're aware, that ain't funny to you. Ninety, say ninety-seven, ninety-eight percent of the, of the American public aren't is not aware. They're not aware. They could care less. You know, they didn't know is they have the newest, they have the newest electronic gadget in their home. That's all they know. There's a movie called Enemy of the State with Will Smith and Gene Hackman. If you want to, you want to see how just how deep it can go. Watch that movie right there. You know, because once I watch it, it really opened my eyes. I'm like, wow. You know, really, there's no place you can go, huh? I like the Planet of the Apes. That was the best movie, and the little part that one the eight had to say was just as true as it ever being in any movie you ever want to watch. So watch it, and you'll see what he had to say. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Right. movies and stuff, but that one was a good one. <laughs> okay. And you have to listen closer to catch it. <laughs> Well, you know, as I was saying, as I was saying Friday, as I was saying Friday, you know, they put a lot of things in movies that we overlook because mm-hmm. we just overlook it. You know, because we just think it's a movie, a production, what have you. But a lot, there are a lot of messages in movies, a whole lot of them. If you if you pay attention to, you may have to watch it two or three times to catch it. But if you pay close attention, you'll catch it. <laughs> you will mm-hmm. catch it. Yeah. But all, all right. Well, I have to go, Mr. Talk. It was nice gossiping with you and Brian. Mm-hmm. And Ms. Magonia. Yes. Yeah. So you have a nice one. And I'll just keep listening you because too. I got something to do. All right. All right. See you later. <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, wow. <laughs> but don't you just love it? Don't you just love it? Uh <laughs> All right, Sister Angoni, you got any last words before we get up out of here? Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, I thought I was muted. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, really, Mr. Talk, I really don't have anything. I, I just I just enjoyed the conversation and enjoyed the points from both Miss Mays and from your other caller, I think it was Brian. Very, very, you know, give me, I really enjoyed it. I really just um, it pleased me to hear his thought process that, you know, because I get so tired of uh, some of the, I think I have my nose on YouTube too much. Some of the comments and things on there really give me pain, you know, like, are these people crazy or what? <laughs> you know, so much hate and everything. So it was very refreshing, very refreshing to hear his his perspective. And, and you know, like when we were talking about the libertarian and all that, I, you know, I, I feel personally like Ron Paul may be a good person, but I think he was controlled opposition, uh, you know. But he did unleash a lot of information, just like Trump just did, you know. But mm-hmm. he still controlled, and you know. And you were talking about Netanyahu and 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 all of that, but like I said, that's a Rothschild system, so they have to do what the big boss says. We don't hear from them very often, you know, if at all. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I'm making any sense if I'm rambling, but anyway, thanks, Mr. Talk. <laughs> you know, oh, okay. I just got so many thoughts going through my head right now. Plus, I'm in the kitchen trying to cook too, and then all that kind of stuff. So, oh, okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, thank you for calling in and helping out. <laughs> oh, you're welcome anytime, Mr. Talk. 
All right. All right, y'all, great show, man, great conversation. You know, and, and as I mentioned before, it just gives you hope to hear that there are people out there that actually are paying attention and are and are actually aware of what's going on, man. You just know, I got this big old smile on my face right now because it was an outstanding show, you know, and hopefully more more people uh, wake up and realize what's going on. All right. Well, that's going to do it for me. We're going to ride out in the sunset. Yeah, the sun is out today, so that's a good thing. Um, <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. Uh, just remember, keep smiling, show appreciation, forgive with open heart, but make sure you're forgiving yourself first. And the biggest, best thing, learn to laugh at yourself. You can laugh at yourself, everything else is just gravy. Or groovy, however you want to take a look at it. I want to thank Sister Ngoni, um, Brian, Mays, the one, and all my guests in the chat room. Thank y'all for stopping by and everybody will be listening later. And archives, thank you for listening as well. We're going to get up out of here now. Y'all know what song I'm about to play. My feel-good song, Come Get to This by L.J. Reynolds. And um, I'll see y'all next time here on Let's Talk on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Mr. Talk, saying see you. Y'all have a good one, man. I'm out.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.